welcome the monsters among us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. A good evening and a happy Samhain to all. Welcome to tonight's broadcast. You know, tis the season for fright, and tonight I aim to deliver. For it's this time of year that it's sad, the veil is the thinnest. Where ghosts, goblins, and witches are believed to roam freely in our realm. And these are the nights to be feared. The days of basking in the sun's rays are behind us. And now every evening grows just a little colder and longer than the last. And these are the days of monsters. Creatures in the woods and ghosts in our homes. And it's in the home that we begin tonight's trick-or-treat. And the first house on our path belongs to Sandra, from the state of Michigan. So what do you say, Sandra? Trick or a treat? Hi, this is Sandra calling from Forest Township, a heavily wooded area of lower Michigan. My husband and I decided to take on a project of restoring and reviving an old 1800s farmhouse that had been abandoned. No one had lived in it since the 80s. So it was a lot of dirt, a lot of animal debris. Everything was stripped. Not a light fixture, not one curtain rod. But the structure of the home was beautiful. Uh, Hardwood floors, high ceilings, several fireplaces. Just a real beautiful piece of work that had started in the early 1800s and been added on up until the 1950s. So we're looking at, you know, seven bedrooms and two living rooms and a couple of kitchens and a couple of dining rooms and just a big, beautiful home that had been neglected for so many years, it was just sad. Well, we decided to take on the project and this meant ripping down walls, rebuilding the roof, replacing all the wiring. There was no water, there was no electricity. Uh, nothing was safe when we moved in. We basically had a shell to start with. And what has happened is a lot of spiritual activity. I, I say a prayer. I like some sage. I walk around. I talk out loud. I tell the spirits that we're going to make the home beautiful and bring it back to its own glory. And don't worry about us. We're going to make it better. We're not here to hurt anyone. We're here to help. So we had the usual creaks and moans and, you know, doors slamming, things dropping, a lot of things falling and not being where we set them the night before when we came back the next day. So we just figured that's just what we're going to live with. That's fine. We're big Halloween enthusiasts and we love decorating and celebrating Halloween. So we embraced the idea of the haunted house in the neighborhood uh, until I had one very bad experience. One of the sections of the wings of the house, I call the west side, has a the original homestead, then a section that has a bathroom. You walk through one bedroom and then continue on into another bedroom. They both have walk-in closets that go back around the other side of the house, and that leads to our master, which is at the north side of the house. But what has happened was I had all new wiring done, and motion sensor lights in every closet. Well, 
several times the light would pop on when a door is shut and it's completely sealed. There's not a mouse, there's not a moth, nobody could get in there. So this is all brand new wiring, brand new, that kind of chalks it up to something playing tricks on me. So I'm good natured and I have a sense of humor and I enjoy it. Except for this one night, bright full moon, shining through the bedroom windows. I wake up from a deep sleep and reach over and see that my husband's not in bed with me. So I don't worry about it. You know, I figure he's just gotten up and he'll be back in a few minutes. So I'm laying there looking at the, you know, just looking at the ceiling and thinking what I have to do the next day. And, you know, there's enough light in the room that I can see shapes, but not really details. So a black shadow, a black figure walks in to my husband's side of the bed, reaches up and gets a sip of water from the cup on the headboard. And I raise the blanket says to welcome him back into the warm bed. It was a little chilly that night. So I lift the blankets up to embrace him. And as soon as I lift the blankets up, I hear the toilet flush and the door creak open, which is on the other side of the house. And I instantly realized that's not my husband standing there. I, I jump up. I, I, I catch my breath. I just don't know what's happening. And then my husband walks in and I'm like, Okay, get in bed. Good night. He said, what's wrong? I, I don't know. <laughs> I'll tell you about it tomorrow. And I just hugged him and went back to sleep. So there's my story. Love your podcast. Thanks. Bye. Thank you, Sandra. Now that home sounds beautiful. And good for you guys for taking the project on. It's in my opinion that more of these magnificent historic homes should be saved before it's too late you know I'd always dreamed of buying an old Victorian and restoring it of course with a spooky vibe sort of Indiana Jones meets the Adams family one of these days but like Sandra has experienced there are more issues to deal with than just water damage and dry rot with some of these old gems Sometimes these places aren't quite as empty as they appear. And I can't help but think that those elements would make it a tougher sell. If those taking on projects like Sandra's knew of the potential paranormal problem prior to their purchase, would they be so willing to tackle the project? Well, I found a few numbers that help paint a picture, courtesy of the Wall Street Journal. Realtor.com. You know, we found uh, just through the survey that one third of people would really consider buying a home that was haunted. There's something maybe that's intriguing or interesting to them. Now, 35% said that they might buy a house that was haunted, and 38% said, no way, absolutely not. Too scary, too spooky for us. So you kind of have a, a third, third, third percentage. So it's interesting to see that people are not turned off by the idea. And there might be something mysterious that's, uh, that's uh, appealing to them. And I bet you're asking yourself, what constitutes as a haunting? Well, believe it or not, they offered some additional information on that as well. Right, so everybody has kind of their, their tipping point. 75% of people said levitating objects. If a house was known to have levitating objects, that would turn them off immediately. Right. But more people yeah. are like more understanding of 
warm and cold spots or strange noises. Again, everyone has their own kind of definition of what constitutes a house as haunted. They're throwing in ghost sightings there. I mean, do some people actually feel comforted if it's, you know, a house maybe that one of their ancestors had passed, where they feel like there's spirits that are, that, that could be good karma, but they have to know the ghosts, I guess. Right. you got to have an in with the ghosts. Yeah, that touches on an interesting point, that some people do seek these properties out. Now, those numbers are actually a little higher than I expected, but they're still rather low in comparison. But if you happen to love these old homes or possibly a ghost listening from one, there is a little good news coming our way. It seems that one group is much more willing than the others to accept their haunting housemates. Studies shows that older folks are more likely to say, forget it, no matter the price. Get out of here, it's always Chris. me. <laughs> always the old guy. But millennials, on the other hand, they're more open to the idea of buying a haunted house if there's something about the house that makes it an attractive deal. Nearly two in five people believe they've lived in a haunted house, meaning they've heard strange noises, gotten odd feelings in certain rooms, or even witnessed their pets acting strange for no real reason. So I would live in a haunted house. That clip courtesy of WFTX, Fox 4 out of Naples, Fort Myers, Florida. We shouldn't be surprised. Desperate times call for desperate measures. But look at the bright side. Now there'll be plenty of potential submitters for future Monsters Among Us episodes. And speaking of submitting for Monsters Among Us, if you have a call you would love to hear on the show, give my hotline a call at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. And the website I'll be referencing throughout this broadcast will be monstersamonguspodcast.com. If you click on the Report Your Sightings tab, you'll find a slew of other submission options. Oh, and I forgot to mention this on last week's Grab Bag episode. Thanks to literally dozens of astute listeners, we may just have solved the mystery of Mary's yellow slug. And unfortunately, it wasn't the spadefoot that I suggested. The caterpillar of the spice bush swallowtail butterfly not only matches the description perfectly, but also lives in the eastern U.S. and even rocks back and forth in an attempt to mimic a coiled snake. Now I linked to a page one of the amazing listeners sent over. Go take a look. I promise it'll convince you as well. And a huge thanks to all those that wrote in with suggestions. I'm not going to lie. I felt a little foolish missing the mark on that one. I guess I need to step up my game. Tonight's show is brought to you by SaneBox. As you may imagine, I get a lot of emails. The fact is, we all do. Inbox Zero is a thing of the past. We're all so overwhelmed with emails, it's no longer about responding to everything. It's about responding only to the important things. The messages that just can't wait. And that's where SaneBox comes in. Think of it as an EMT for your email. As messages flow in, SaneBox does the triage for you, sifting only the important emails for your inbox and directing all the other distracting stuff to your Sane later folder, so you know what messages to pay attention to now and what stuff you can get to later on. It also has useful features like the Sane Black Hole, where you can drag messages from annoying senders you never want to hear from again, and Sane reminders to ping you if someone hasn't replied to your email by a certain date. 
And best of all, you can use SaneBox with any email client or phone, anywhere you check your email. So join me in saying goodbye to your messy inbox. See how SaneBox can magically remove distractions and make you never miss an important email again. Do so with a free two-week trial plus a $25 credit exclusively for Monsters Among Us listeners. Visit SaneBox.com forward slash monsters today to start your free trial and get your $25 credit. That's S-A-N-E-B-O-X dot com slash monsters. And as always, supporting our sponsors supports the show. So thank you for listening. Now back to the spooky stuff. Well, folks, it happened again. I spend a lot of my free time listening to submissions, sorting them to use on future episodes. Well, this week while I was listening... I had a string of calls that seemed so oddly in sync that I felt I had to share them with you here tonight. Now, these calls at the time were selected at random. As far as I know, there is no connection between any of these callers other than what's about to become obvious. But just in case it's not, I'll be here to walk you through it. I'm not certain what order I originally listened to these calls in, but... What you're about to hear is pretty damn close. Beginning with KJ in the state of Missouri. Hi, my name is KJ, and my sighting happened in Independence, Missouri. I was leaving my girlfriend's house around probably 12.30 at night one night, and I'm heading back home. And I'm leaving, and it's like misting out. It's like not raining too bad but I could clearly see what was on the road and their driveway is a long gravel driveway and as you reach the tree line to get back on the main road and get on the highway it was a creature that was sitting by a fence and at first I didn't know what it was it, it looked like a horse from the distance I was coming from and by the time I reached it it was a horse and it, it didn't look ordinary it was all black but it didn't have an eye it had an eye missing and there's just stuff hanging off of it and there was pieces of its body missing and the only way I can describe it as is like a zombie horse and when I left I immediately called my girlfriend and was asking like do your neighbors have horses do they have livestock anywhere near because I was very freaked out, and by the time I reached the main highway, I was convinced it was something I heard the show. I've been listening to this for about four months now, ever since I started working again, and I remember this sighting, and it just came back to me that I think this was a possible skinwalker, but by the time I made this connection, it was already too late. Like. I didn't know what it was at first and it just it's freaked me out ever since and I'm, I'm always been terrified to relive something like that it was about six feet tall to maybe seven feet tall and it moved very slowly and kind of like as if it was injured or something and by the time i kept driving by it it was walking towards my car and as soon as i got any closer than i liked it to i you know gave my car some gas and got down the road and it, it just it stuck with me for a long time and everyone keeps giving me crap and her family about this but I know what I saw in it 
it's freaked me out. But anyway, I enjoy your show. Keep doing what you're doing. And uh, can't wait to hear some episodes while I'm at work. Okay. Have a great night. Bye. Thanks, KJ. I can hear all of you now. How does a zombie horse tie into anything else? Well, be patient. I'll get to that. But first, I do have a quick scenario that might just explain this sighting, albeit a gruesome explanation. Now, growing up, our neighbors had horses. One that was a staple to the farm was an Appaloosa named Misty. She was great, very gentle, and very friendly. Well, one summer, our neighbors fenced in the three or four acre field that sat between our houses to extend the roaming range for Misty and the other equine. The fence was sturdy, barbed wire, five strands wide, razor sharp. The metal would glisten in the sun. And when they turned her loose, you can instantly see Misty's joy as she galloped through the new territory. But the neighbor's fence had one flaw. Misty couldn't see it and did not know that it was there. She ran through a section, galloping at near full speed. The aftermath was gruesome, and I got a front row seat to the mayhem, whether I wanted it or not. Now I'll spare all the details, but muscles were detached, large gashes needed to be stitched. Well, thankfully, Misty pulled through. And afterwards, we went by and and tied little bits of cloth to the fence for the others, in hopes of avoiding the same mistake. So I say all that to suggest, perhaps the horse that KJ saw was an escapee, brutalized by the barbed wire the poor creature burst through. And it just so happened that KJ stumbled upon it before the owner did. It's far-fetched, but it is possible. Now let's circle back around and hit more on the zombie animals here in a little bit. In the meantime, let's get this coincidence-laden train of calls going. Starting with Sarah in Illinois. Hey there, this is Sarah. I'm calling from central Illinois. Uh, My story happened, it was probably about seven years ago. I was talking on the phone. It was late at night, probably around 11 And I want to say it was like late fall. So I was living at my parents' house and they're surrounded by cornfields. They live out in the country. And I was on the bed, talking on the phone to my boyfriend, now my husband. And my dog was on the bed with me. He was sound asleep. And all of a sudden, like I heard a rumble. We have planes that constantly like will fly over like crop duster planes that spray the fields. And it was like that noise that shook the house. And I was like, what the... So my dog, it woke him up, and then all of a sudden there was a light shining in my window, like like as if somebody shown us like a searchlight in my window, which my curtains were drawn, so it was strong enough to like shine through my curtains, and I got through my pants, so I was super scared, and I waited about a minute, get up the nerve to actually walk to my window and look out, and when I looked out, which my window faced the cornfield. I could see something like light out in the field, like quite a bit like off into the distance at that time. Um, but I couldn't really tell what it was. And 
I mean, there was no reason for, like I said, we have like cross-dusting planes that will fly over during the day, but there was no reason for them to be out that late at night. And definitely not like shining a light in my window like that because yeah, it was weird. I guess, like I said, could have been a plane, but freaked me out and I had a very hard time going back to bed. I literally went and woke my parents up and I was like, I just saw something. And of course my boyfriend was not with me and he couldn't do anything, but it was weird. And my dog, like I said, it woke him up. So it was definitely enough of a rumble to actually wake a dog that was sound asleep. So yeah, that's what I got for you. Thanks. Thank you, Sarah. I know, a rumble and a light in the window. Creepy for Sarah, but par for the course for this program. But soon after, I heard this one from Derek in Canada. Hi, Derek. My name is Derek. I'm in Ontario, Canada. I'm 43 years old. Uh, Back when I was about 10 years old, uh, we lived on a hobby farm in southwestern Ontario, about eight acres of land. And one night I was in bed and I had a window at the foot of my bed. I was on the top of a bunk bed. There was a window at the foot of my bed. And I looked out there and uh, there was a face of a wolf looking at me. And it was kind of had a growling, had its teeth bared, and I was absolutely terrified. Uh, I just jumped up and pulled down the blind and was scared out of my wits from that point on. I never slept with the blinds open again. And the funny thing was my bedroom was on the second floor of the house. And there was, a, there was a roof under my window over the kitchen, so it was kind of a split kind of house. But that roof was about 10 feet up. The only way to get up there would have been to climb up there the TV antenna. So it never made sense to me until recently. I always thought maybe it was like a, an alien appearing as a wolf, something, because I had heard some stories about that later on. But recently I found out about Dogman and how they have hands. I don't know if it climbed up there or what the heck that was, but... I was so scared that uh, I eventually traded bedrooms with my sister. She had the room next door to me, so she also had a window overlooking that roof. But um, the head of her bed was beside the window, so she was not looking out the window. Maybe three or four years later, I remember waking up uh, in the middle of the night. My entire room was lit with a blinding white light, and I got up out of bed, opened the blind, and looked out the window. And all I could see was bright white light streaming in. Now, there was like a 150-year-old humongous tree right at the edge of the roof, so there shouldn't have been any way for light to come in and no way for something to be there because of the huge tree. Nonetheless, I was kind of blinded by this light, and I am super curious. Like, I should absolutely run outside and see what the heck is doing that. But instead, I said, I should go to sleep now, and I just got back into bed and went to sleep, which is super strange. Maybe 10 years later, when I was like 23, 24, I told my mom about it, and she said, oh, that's funny. When uh, your dad was walking down the hallway downstairs, and there's a window in that hallway, and there was a huge bright light coming in the window from the side yard, and he called me to come and look at it, and I went there, and we were both looking out the window at this blinding white light, and we both said to each other, we should go to bed now, and we walked upstairs and went to bed. So take that for what it is. Very strange. But love the show. Keep up good work. Thanks, Derek. There's that bright light again. And I don't want to jump to conclusions, but it's the Halloween episode, so I will. This entry has all the hallmarks of an alien abduction. What was with the wolf? I know we heard another call a while back that was similar. 
a wool for a dog's head floating outside a second-story window. But I wasn't able to locate the call. But what I did find was this next entry. Another that really seemed connected. Ashley's entry from the state of Michigan. Hi, this is Ashley from Northern Michigan, and I've been listening to your show for years now, and I think it's absolutely wonderful. I think that you have given everyone an excellent outlet to share their story, but I figured I would finally call in and share my very first story that I have. I have a lot more, but when I was six or seven, I was spending the night in my living room and I had my cousins over and we were all sleeping. It was nighttime and I was on the couch against the largest living room window we had. I woke up in the middle of the night and I look out the window and I see this shadowy figure. It has a cat head and a long snaky neck with red glowing eyes. At the time, I didn't have any reference to shadow people or anything like that. It was the early 90s and there wasn't really any internet for me to look anything up. So I thought I had seen an alien. And I, of course, covered my head with my covers and went back to sleep as soon as I could. And it took a while, but it's always stuck with me. But ever since then, I have seen shadow figures all over, out of the corner of my eye, everywhere I go. It doesn't matter if I'm at home or at work or at the mall. They just peek around corners and they sometimes are clouds of shadow or sometimes full-fledged figures. Sometimes they have eyes, sometimes they don't, but they're everywhere and I see them all the time. And I don't remember seeing them before I saw this cat-like figure with a long snaky neck looking at me through the window. And yeah, that was my first encounter. I have a lot more, but I just wanted to call, finally call and let you know my story. All right. Thank you. Have a wonderful day, and your podcast is amazing. Thank you very much. Okay, so did Ashley mistaken a cat's head for a wolf's? Or did Derek make that mistake? Or did both callers witness the same thing and simply describe it in their own terms? And a little sidebar here. The descriptions, especially Ashley's, seems to describe a cryptid that's already widely known in Europe. The Tatzelwam. It's also known as the Alps Dragon and has been reported for hundreds of years throughout several areas of Europe, including Germany, Switzerland, Italy, and other locations in the European Alps. The creature is said to have a scaly, snake-like body up to seven feet long with clawed front legs and a large cat-like head with sharp teeth. The first documented sighting occurred in 1779 by a man who supposedly encountered two of the creatures and died from a fatal heart attack. Additional sightings were claimed throughout the 19th century and into the 20th century. I've always pronounced it just the Tatzelworm. 
but I can barely speak English at times. Anyway, that clip is courtesy of Epic Wildlife on YouTube. And assuming this isn't the tonsil worm or some sort of delusion, what else could we be looking at here? What could our witnesses have encountered? And although these sound like quote-unquote cryptid sightings, I can't help but wonder how the theory of screen memories applies here. You may remember from past episodes that owls are often attributed to this phenomena, thought to be an implanted memory to disguise an alien abduction. But where are the aliens? Well, that's where Dave comes in. In a trigger warning, there's brief discussion of suicide in the following story. Hi, Derek. This is Dave from Northern Utah again. Hey, I'm calling about a, well, I don't know, a possible skinwalker scene in Southern Utah. And before I start, I want to preface that relatively close to this event, which happened on April oh, 8th or 9th, the Saturday, it's the 14th right now, it's a Thursday, so the Saturday before this, whatever that would be. And to preface, my wife is part of the organization to help people that are lost, and she unfortunately found a young woman who had taken her own life due to hanging. I mean, this was very recent, within the last month, and my wife's a very timid lady, so that scarred her a little bit, and that comes later in the story. So we decided to take a trip to Kanab, Utah, which is about six hours south of where I live. And our first stop was the Coral King Sand Dune. Um, I can't remember if it's a national or state park. Anyway, we decided to camp just outside of it on the road that goes to it. So we took our two dogs and we went down there and we found a little camp spot just off the road and it's sandy. So we were driving through the sand and found a spot to camp and so we were setting up the tent and we were having a hard time because there was also sand stones so getting the tent staked down was hard and we just had our two dogs on a lunge line um, in the shade and so as we left we picked up we left to go hiking we picked up the lunge line and I guess I need to be more specific we got there about 2.30 in the afternoon on Saturday um, we'd gotten a late start and so we were there later Anyway, so it was probably about 3.30, 4 o'clock when we left to go hike. I went to just roll up this 30-foot lunge line that we had the dogs tethered with. And as I was wrapping it up, you know, coiling it up like a garden hose, I went to put it on a branch just to leave it there. And I blinked. And like in the blink of my eye, I saw the image of this lunge line in a noose hanging over our tent. And that freaked me, but, I, you know, I accounted it to blinking and just seeing like the black spots as you blink but like it was an image that i saw and after that i just had this kind of eerie gut feeling in my stomach and so me and my wife we went hiking and it's about nine o'clock that night on saturday and we stopped to get gas before we headed back to the camp because we were planning on getting up and leaving in the morning after going to the sand dunes and sledding and whatnot but as I was getting gas, this eerie feeling in my gut just kept driving at me so much that it kind of made me sick. And so after going to the bathroom to try to get over this feeling in my gut, I went back to the car and I kind of zoned out for a sec, just like thinking to myself that we shouldn't be where we are. We need to just leave. 
And my wife asked me, and she's like, what's going on? And so I just told her, I said, oh, we need to leave. I have this feeling in my gut that we just need to leave. And she looked at me and said, you know what? I have had the exact same feeling. She's like, I don't know what it is. And neither of us do, but we were like, we just need to leave. So after some time and thought, and we were spiritual people, so we had prayer. And we decided that, yes, ultimately at 10 o'clock at night, we would pack the camp up and just leave. But we were both so scared that we decided that we would just collapse the tent, roll it up, and just shove it in the back of the car and go. Anyway, so as we are driving back to the campsite, the eerie feeling grew just as, it just got worse and worse and worse. Um, And we contemplated just leaving the tent and coming back for it in the daylight because going to it in the dark was rough. Both of us were kind of nervous and we're both super adventurous people. You know, I'm a hunter and packing out game. I've been stalked by mountain lions, bears, wolves. I mean, I've been charged by animals in the dark. So, you know, it doesn't bother me, but I did not want to go be out picking this tent up in the dark. We decided to pick up the tent anyway, but as we pulled up to the tent, the only thing that was different was probably a quarter mile down this sand road, which was really, it was sand on top of sandstone. As I was saying before, we had a hard time getting the tent staked, which it had to be. It was a spring bar, so if you don't take the corners, it doesn't stay put out. The only thing that was different, though, was there was a camper right off the road parking the trees off the main road on the road that we were camped on. And like I said, it was just dark, and this was an older, eerie-looking camper, which just added to the hype and suspense a little bit. Anyway, we got there, and we shown the headlights on the car, which wasn't my favorite idea. I didn't want to blind myself with the lights of the car, but at the same time, headlamps just didn't feel like the right idea. I don't know why. We both agreed that we wouldn't use headlamps to take the tent down. We'd use the car lights. So we untied the tent because I had tied it to a couple smaller trees. And and so our campsite was really secluded. You couldn't see it from the road. We were maybe 500 feet off the road, but you couldn't see it from the road. And it was just big enough that the lights of our car, which was a 2006 CRV, so not the best headlights, but not the worst. The headlights barely illuminated the whole thing. So it was a good size. So we started collapsing the tent. We went inside, rolled all the sleeping bags and just grabbed our bag and we just threw that in the in the car um and then we collapsed the tent and we were doing this this process took it all of five minutes like i said the spring bar comes down super fast and easy and then we collapsed the tent and rolled it up and shoved it in and so it was just a super crystal clear night but right above where we were which was in the middle of nowhere you couldn't see the stars like literally right above us it seemed like there was black sky And then just on the outside of our perimeter, you could see the stars again. And like I said, the eerie feeling for both of us was just there the whole time. But my wife went and picked up the lunge line, and me and her went everywhere together. So she grabbed the line off the tree, and we got in the car. And at this point, I haven't mentioned anything to her about seeing the noose because I didn't want to make her upset about this young woman who had taken her life previous. Anyway, we started driving home, and about 10 miles into the trip, we started to feel watched. And so I was watching everything, kind of going into paranoia mode. And I could see these eyes just at the edge of the the lights of the car coming up. And I was like, okay, 
and they were low slung to the ground. And as we passed, I was having a hard time making out what it was, that whatever it was just seemed huge. And then a little bit farther down the road, and this road is still in the sand dune, so it's got dried desert trees, I'm not sure the kinds, and sagebrush, but it still has the coral pink sand, the coral pink sand dunes. So as I said, I could barely see it off in the bush. All I could see as the trail, as the lights passed by, was it just had a big body to it and the eyes. And the weird thing was is the eyes weren't necessarily red, but they weren't necessarily white or yellow. They were just kind of there, and I know they were eyes. They weren't falling down reflectors or beer cans or anything like that. They were, they were eyes because I watched them blink. And that was kind of unnerving to me because you don't typically see things like that. But then a little bit farther down the road, maybe a half a mile, I saw the exact same eyes. So I was like, okay, same thing. But then the crazy part, as I was watching, because my wife was hiding herself in her blanket, just like, I don't want to see. She's like, I just feel awful. And it got to the point where she was starting to get sick. And we had a bag in the car, thank goodness. But she was getting sick, as sick as I was at the gas station before. Anyway, so we're approaching these other sets of eyes. And as I said, I was like, okay, same creature and whatnot. But as we drew closer, the eyes stood up. And like I said, the moon and the stars, it was just bright enough that I could see a figure stand up. And I saw it just turn and bolt. Now, when it stood up, these eyes probably came easily six, seven feet off the ground. So just a monstrous. And it went from on the ground to bipedal and just took off running. And I could just see it moving. And I didn't want to startle my wife, nor did I want to see what it was. So I was, it just blew my mind. And the reason I think this is a skinwalker is just due to the eerie nature and the fact was, is I actually saw it again, the same thing. And this time it was standing up and I watched it crouch back down. This was probably a half mile again down the road and it crouched down close to the ground again and it blinked again and then they were just gone. But the last time before they just turned and disappeared, my wife under her blanket just goes, whatever is going wrong babe, I think it's following us because it just keeps getting worse. And so finally we reached the main road and I just went as fast as I could up through the canyon heading north. And it wasn't until we reached I-15 about two and a half hours later that either one of us really talked or felt comfortable. And as we were talking, and it really was, once we reached the freeway, the feeling got a lot better. It didn't get all the way better until we got home, which was about 4 a.m. But once we reached the freeway, my wife and I were talking and I just started laughing a little bit, a little giggling. I said, you know, I, when I hung the lunge line up to leave to go hiking, I actually, I told her about seeing the noose as I blinked and she just froze and she looked at me and she said, that's the exact image I saw as I picked it up as we were picking up camp. And like I said, to this point, I hadn't said anything to her about it. Anyway, that's the story. We did get home safely. One little side note, um, the dogs the whole time, even during the day, just sat there and whimpered, which is very odd for them. One of them is a six-month-year-old puppy. He's pretty active. And the other one's almost two. And both of them are in training to be search dogs. So they're very brave and outgoing dogs. So for them to just whimper and cry the whole time is very odd. Anyway, yeah, that's my story. And I just want to leave that if anyone 
does feel the need to take their own life to please contact people. This is a serious thing, and there's always going to be resources for them. Anyway, Derek, thanks for the podcast. We appreciate it. Have a good day. Bye. Thanks, Dave. And there's more Skinwalker talk. More strange tall creatures. More paranoia. And more mention of aliens. And well, to tie all this together, or I suppose to raise more questions, let's welcome Dylan from Arkansas to the program. Hey, this is Dylan from Arkansas. New listener to the show. I've been listening to it at work, and I was listening to a season nine episode. I want to say it was 17, and the girl talking about talking to the wolf, it it sent chills down my spine because it reminded me of a story from not even a start something I experienced like years ago when I was about 16 I was living with my grandma and my mom and I was sleeping in the living room one night it was about 10 o'clock 11 o'clock and I had school the next morning and so I was really uneasy I was sleeping in a recliner because there wasn't much room in the house and I was really uneasy and I just felt like I was being watched. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe it's the music I'm listening to. It's, you know, it's whatever. Sometimes I'll listen to music that's a little creepier than I intend. And so I, I start listening to, you know, some more upbeat music, trying to go to sleep, but I just can't shake this feeling. And it's just getting more intense. And, you know, I, I'm used to this feeling every now and then, but th- like this was just beyond, like this is beyond like, oh man, I kind of got that, somebody's watching me from this is like somebody is just staring a late like just a laser through the side of your head from across the room and i just feel so uncomfortable and i i was so just starting to get panicked and i was just trying to force myself to go to sleep like every time i closed my eyes i just i kept seeing this one thing it was like a wild dog like part coyote part wild or something looked like it had been dead for like three days like just like a short amount of time just like semi rotten but like it's still mostly there like its fur was matted it was dark color like dark brown and its gums were dark like black from like decay and rot and you could see more of its teeth and its eyes its eyes were I didn't know how to describe it at the time but like magma like it was like that intense vivid reddish yellow whatever you want just like not like a like the reflection of an animal's eyes but just something just so intensely just vivid and every time i closed my eyes that's all i could see and i just felt this presence in the room and it was it it was like imagine somebody who just hated you and just wanted you dead and they just had their hands hovering above your throat i was so scared i I had to like go wake my mom up and I'd be like, I gotta, I gotta sleep in the room with you. I'm, I, I don't feel good. I, something is creeping me the f- out. And uh, sorry. And I just, I never told anybody and I just kept it to myself for like a year or two. And then after I graduated high school, I was hanging out with a friend and we were talking about just weird stuff. And and he was the first person I told. And when we were really talking about it, you know, I was crying. And, and it was the most fear I'd ever felt in my life. I'd never been so scared. 
when I look back at it, I can only ever think of it as a demon. It was just so full of hate and full of malice. Whatever it was, if it could hurt me, it would. I don't know what it was. I never want to encounter something like that again. It, For the longest time, I could not talk about it. And just hearing that gal call in and talk about the wolf telling her mean things and the wolf scaring her, it sent chills down my spine. I was at work and I was just panicked, like a, like a little bit of a panic, just because I hadn't really thought of it in so long. And when you think of it on your own, it's not as scary, but knowing that like maybe there's some other people experiencing this or seeing something similar, it, it just, it, it freaks me out. I don't know what it was and I don't want to know what it was and to know that other people are experiencing it, I'm not going to lie, it scares me. But yeah, that's my story. Thanks, Dylan. More of the same. The feeling of being watched, paranoia, visions, and of course, more zombie animals. Just like I promised. So maybe you're as impressed by these coincidences these running themes as I am. And it's awfully strange considering there are literally hundreds of submissions to choose from. And I just so happen to pick six or seven that all seem to have similar attributes. So just for the hell of it, I dug up the call Dylan was referencing. Ashland's entry from Season 9, Episode 17. And wouldn't you know it, that story, too, continues the creepy themes. And since it's relatively short, I'll share it again with you here this evening. Ashlyn, welcome back. Hi there, my name is Ashlyn. I just started listening to your show like a few days ago, and I'm hooked on it. I just thought I would share something that happened to me about four, three, four years ago, maybe more. But my family, we went on a trip to St. George, Utah. We're from Utah, but we were about four hours away from St. George. We went with another family. We rented this big house so we could stay in for a few days while we went hiking and just kind of hung out in St. George. Me and my sister, we got to stay in a room upstairs. with their twin beds. The heads of the bed were on opposite walls, so our feet were close together. And at the foot of each bed in the middle of the room, there were these two big windows. The windows looked out, and there was the roof that was connecting this side of the house to the other side. So it was this tiny little part of the roof slanted up from my side, and from her, it slanted up too. So um, one night, I remember kind of laying there, and I couldn't sleep at all. I never really felt good in the house, but I also have a hard time sleeping when it comes to being in new places and this house just kind of made me feel a little eerie in a sense. So um, something you should know about me is I'm like practically blind so I need my contacts or glasses to see and you know I'm laying there I don't have my glasses on no contacts in it's dark in the room and I don't know why but I chose to just kind of sit up in the bed and I went and I looked out the window and it's blurry but I kind of stare and I see red. I see like this glowing dot of red and kind of a black outline. And I'm sitting there going, what is that? Like, 
there's nothing on this roof because I remember looking out there earlier and it was just, just a roof, no nothing on there. There weren't any glowing lights. There were no parts of the house that were lit up out there. So it was kind of weird. And I thought about it for a minute and I freaked out and I sat back and I just kind of laid my head down and I didn't move the whole night. Didn't sit back up and double check it. Didn't go running to my parents in the other room. I was like 18 or 17, so I didn't want to freak myself out too much. And so I just laid there. And the next morning, I was like, okay, sit up, look out the window and see if there's anything there. And I looked and I felt chills just go up and down my body because there was nothing there. I couldn't see any lights. And I know it was daylight, but it wasn't super bright outside. So I had no idea what I had seen the night before, but I tried to look it up on the internet, anything about weird sightings or things running around in St. George, and it could have been an animal, but I think it, from what I remember, it was very large and just kind of perched there, so it was really weird. My dad, I told him, and he's all for this stuff, and he was kind of freaked out too, and they went and they looked out there. I think someone went on the roof, and there was nothing, so just thought I'd share. From what I can remember, it was some kind of animal outline, but it was the red, the red that I saw that freaked me out. I'm pretty sure it was a red eye just looking, and the chills I had, I can't, that feeling was terrifying. So, love your show. Keep it up. Uh, Thank you for listening. So maybe I'm jumping to conclusions. Perhaps I let spooky season get the better of me. Or perhaps there is some sort of connection here. Maybe we've touched on something odd. Well, I'll do my part and I'll keep looking in the meantime. But I ask that you please do the same. If you have any information on this string of calls, shoot us an email or send us a submission. We'll revisit this again sometime in the future. A huge thanks to all those that called in. Tonight's episode is also brought to you by BetterHelp. Does it seem like there's a block between you and your happiness? Is there something preventing you from achieving your goals? You know, I've been there. Which is why I know how important it is to start prioritizing your mental health today. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can connect in a convenient, safe, online environment and start communicating in under 48 hours. And with BetterHelp, you have the option to schedule weekly video or phone sessions or message your counselor anytime. And rest easy knowing anything you share is completely confidential. Now, BetterHelp's counselors specialize in depression, stress, anxiety, trauma, family conflicts, and there's a lot more. The service is available worldwide and at a more affordable price than any traditional offline counseling. And of course, financial aid is available for those that need it. Now I want you to start living a happier life. And as a Monsters Among Us listener, I can get you 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com forward slash Monsters Among Us. So join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Monsters Among Us. Now you know it. Supporting our sponsors supports the show. So thanks for listening. And back to the creepiness. Now excuse me while I climb myself out of this rabbit hole. I went much deeper than I expected. And it's so odd how they all showed up together like that. 
Anyway, getting back to the plain old paranormal. Please welcome Joey from the Buckeye State. Hey, this is Joey from Ohio again. I was calling because we recently, like me and my um, partner and our roommate, recently moved into a new house. At first, nothing was going on. We've lived in a couple haunted places before, but this house seemed totally un... you know, not haunted. (laughs) But basically, around Halloween of this year, like starting around like mid-October, we started hearing some noises and stuff like that, and... Um, things really sort of kicked off when our housemate said that she saw, like, black corpse-looking fingers reaching out from her closet. And at first we brushed it off. It was late, you know. She had been working a 10-hour shift that day, figured she was just tired. But a few days later, I I collect, uh, like, vintage clown and circus stuff, well, one of my figurines, it's about like two feet tall. It's a clown, and um, usually it's in like the corner near the stairs. And it had moved itself into the middle of the back of our couch. And the back of the couch faces the stairway. So in the morning, we come downstairs, and there's this clown doll staring at us from the middle of the couch. So that freaked us out a little bit. Basically, we just put him back and, and hoped that nothing else happened. But just Last night, some crazy stuff started happening. I was taking one of our dogs out, and I heard running up our driveway. And now we live next to a house that has six children, so I figured it was just one of the kids, even though it was pretty late. But I looked, and instead of seeing a child running towards me, I saw just white shoes, like feet, like ghostly, only the feet running up the driveway and my dog freaked out and was pulling and trying to get at them and I was like there's no way I'm going anywhere near that so I quickly rushed back into the house and had to drag my dog back in because he wanted to go attack these ghostly shoes that were running up our driveway and it sounds hilarious but I was petrified in the moment and then come back in the house to find out that my housemate, who was playing with our other dog, suddenly behind her heard, like, uh, what she described as, like, a teenage boy-sounding voice start mimicking the noises that our dog was making right behind her. And so she's freaked out, I'm freaked out, and I'm like, okay, I I have to call this in. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) we're waiting to see what else happens, I guess. Would love to hear your opinion, especially since we have something now that seems to be mimicking our dogs. The idea of mimics has always freaked me out. Anything mimicking something else has always spooked me. (laughs) Anyway, love the show. I'm like a diehard fan. But um, anyway, keep doing what you're doing. Bye. Thanks, Joey. Now those are genuinely some amazing experiences. The ghost shoes and your dog's reaction to them might just top them all, though. And it's certainly not the first time we've heard a story about a spectral bottom half. The green butt of Alabama comes to mind. And of course, what Halloween episode would be complete without an evil clown doll that moves on its own? 
How many of you had that on your bingo card? But there is one element of the tale that I feel I can contribute to. The mention of the corpse-like fingers reaching from the closet. Well, I'll have you know, there's a fungus known as Dead Man's Fingers that looks exactly like they sound. Like black, bloated fingers reaching out from under logs or mossy ledges. And of course, they smell of death. Now, I popped a link in the show notes if you want to take a look. And of course, I'm not suggesting mushrooms was to blame here. That actually seems highly unlikely. But I just wanted to show off my fungus knowledge. Thanks again, Joey, for the spooky entry. And some quick advice. Keep a journal of all the activity. Look for patterns. Look for repeat phenomena. Patterns equal predictability, and predictability equals sense of mind and possibly some good evidence. Now, before I hit up this last entry, why don't you follow us on Patreon? $4 a month gets you tons of bonus content. And you can pick up some merch at monstersamonguspodcast.com forward slash shop. Now, that's your gateway to all your MAU gear needs. And I'm just going to say it. You guys are animals. We've already sold out of most of the sizes of our brand new Halloween design. And this was our second restock order. Insatiable. Well, I have some good news and a little bad news. We don't want to leave you hanging, so we went ahead and placed another order. They should be in in about a week, uh, maybe two weeks from now. As soon as Nick gets them printed and shipped. And now for the bad news. But I think it goes without saying that these will not arrive before Halloween. But they'll be great for next year. Or live your own life and wear that bad boy year-round. That's what I would do. Again, that's monstersamonguscom forward slash shop. And now, no Halloween episode is complete without a monster story. And here to bring us home is our anonymous caller from the Mississippi Delta. Hey, I'm sorry I'm a little bit sick. I'm going to keep my name anonymous. This took place in Mississippi 2007. I was much younger. I was just north of the Mississippi Delta. My dad and I were driving late at night down a particular highway. And all of a sudden, this bipedal creature walked across the road in front of our vehicle, dragging its arms. If it had stood upright all the way, it would have been about seven, eight feet tall. But it just moped across the highway, this swampy area where I'm from. And it never paid us any attention. So we went, kept going, past it. We looked at each other. I cried just broke out in tears. I was so scared. Like I said, this would have been 2007. And my father and I have never spoken about this since. And to this day, when I think about it, it gives me chills. I can vividly see this creature walk across this highway in this swampy area where I'm from, just north of the Mississippi Delta dragging its arms, moping across 
the two-lane highway, not paying us any attention. I don't know. You know, I believe it was some type of Bigfoot swamp ape, etc. Thank you so much. I love your podcast. Please keep doing what you do. Thank you so much. That's great stuff. Thank you, caller. Now, I think it's safe to call this a skunk ape encounter. But if we want to get extremely region-specific, there's another name we might have to go by. The Chattawa Monster of Mississippi. But people have been talking about the Chattawa Monster for as long as anybody can remember. Well, here's what I know about it. Now, playing heavily into the legend is the old Illinois Central Railroad and the proximity it has to the Tangipahoe River and swamps. There's Kramer's Lodge, which used to have an animal sanctuary. And curiously playing prominently into the legend is the old St. Mary School. Now, as far as the monster, he's supposed to be a Bigfoot-type creature that makes noises and is glimpsed at the edge of the woods and wandering through the swamps around Chattawa. My source for much of my material about the monster is Sam McKinney, a lifelong resident of the area. He says the monster is supposed to be a big ape that escaped from a mythical circus train wreck near the Tangipahoa swamps. But people have seen something in the woods near Chattawa. So Sam says the possibility is Kramer Lodge that's supposed to have had monkeys in its animal sanctuary. Even the nuns who taught at St. Mary claimed to have seen monkeys in the woods. Which brings us to St. Mary. Now back during the time it was a school, it seems most of the claims of someone to have actually seen the big hairy Chattawa monster were made by upperclassmen to freshmen upon their arrival, warning them not to wander too near the woods or the river, and for goodness sakes, don't try to run away back home to New Orleans or they'd never be heard of again. Now, although the creature has a name and seems to be sighted often in the area, there are many explanations to explain the legend. But what if I told you that the legend of an eight-foot-tall, bipedal, hairy giant predate train tracks, schools, and animal sanctuaries. And I'm talking a long time ago. 300 years ago, this year, a Jesuit priest was staying with the Natchez Indians when all of a sudden there came a big scream and a noise in the woods. A ruckus! A ruckus! What scared the priest was this. Whatever it was, scared the Natchez people he was with. These are folks that live in the woods, so this was something clearly different, and they called it a monstrous beast. Well, today it'd be a Bigfoot. So this journal reference from 300 years ago in Natchez, then, is... Widely considered to be the first documented account of a Bigfoot encounter in North America. Now, both those prior clips, courtesy of WJTV, Fox News 12, and Jackson. And I'll be honest with you, this is the first I've heard of these historic sightings. So take all that information with a grain of salt. Unless, of course, you find yourself driving down the road late this Halloween evening. The swamp and its stew of dangers just inches from the road. Stay alert. Maybe kick on those high beams. As Mac from Season 9, Episode 6 can attest, there are creatures in those woods. Creatures you do not want any part of. A huge thanks to our caller for that entry. And that's going to do it for this episode. Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Sarah Carter Hayes and Addie Lloyd. 
All audio used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. And keep up with us on social media. You can find our accounts on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And while you're on the computer, phone, or gadget, please give Monsters Among Us a nice rate and review at Apple iTunes. Five stars and a couple kind words go a long way. And lastly, the terrifying score you heard this evening was provided by Co.ag Music and Carl Casey and White Bat Audio. Thank you so much for listening. Have the happiest of Halloweens. Stay out of trouble. And until next time. Now tonight's secret entry is fitting, and you're about to learn why. Kathy from Virginia, welcome to the program. Hi Derek, my name is Kathy, I live in Virginia, and I have a story to tell. I think it's interesting, so I'd love for it to be shared and to see if anyone else has had an experience like this. I was about seven or eight years old, many, many years ago, and it was Halloween night, and my grandparents were visiting our house, and all of a sudden, we heard a glass shatter, and it was on the staircase. Well, my family and I used to leave glasses, like, on the staircase, like, if we were coming from the downstairs to the upstairs area, And we had a litter of kittens in the house at that point. And my mom said, oh, well, one of the kittens must have knocked glass over. Well, that sounded reasonable. So anyway, that was not a deal. And my mom was playing the piano, and that will come into play later. But it just, it, it was very odd. So my grandfather and I are sitting at the kitchen table, and all of a sudden, again, a glass shattered, again, Halloween night, a glass shattered in the kitchen sink. And our kitchen and our dining room were like adjoined, like you can see everything. And no one was there. No one was close. And we were just like, what in the world? And my mom was like, well, maybe it was because I was playing the piano. Maybe the notes from the piano made the glasses shatter, but I kind of really doubt that. So again, you know, no big deal. And a couple minutes later, my grandfather, you know, who had a glass of tea or water or something in his hand, and the glass just shattered in his hand, which didn't cut him, thankfully, but it was very, very strange. And that's when, you know, my mom and my dad came into the room and realized, what in the world? You know, my grandfather and I were going through, you know, my Halloween candy because we'd been trick-or-treating early at night. And then we heard just shattering coming from the cabinet. 
and we opened the cabinet and multiple glasses had just shattered spontaneously and we have no idea why why this could have happened at all it was just very very strange very very odd and I'm just wondering if anyone else that ever had an experience like that and I think it's odd that it happened on Halloween night when you know supposedly spirits can walk the earth there's nowhere our house is haunted my parents built that house there's just no way it's haunted there's there's just no way it was extremely, extremely odd. And I just wanted to share that with you and hope that maybe you will share it with others and see if anyone else ever had something like this happen. And I tried to the ends of the earth to think of a reason that this could have happened, but I can't think of one. So anyway, I appreciate you, Derek. I love the podcast, love it. I listen all the time constantly looking for updates but you know best wishes to everyone and hope to hear from you soon okay bye-bye thanks kathy talk about coincidence either that or the invisible occupants in kathy's home have some amazing timing now i did some research and believe it or not it is possible that sound can break glass but the sound has to resonate at the same frequency as the glass itself and it also has to be very loud. For sound to have broken all the glasses Kathy mentioned, several different pitches would be needed, and all would need to be so loud that there is no doubt Kathy and her family would have heard them. And further research suggests that sudden temperature changes can also cause glass to shatter. But again, those are changes that Kathy and her family should have easily noticed. So I don't know. Maybe you, dear listener, have some insight. Or maybe it's simply the spirits of Halloween, here to spread fright and fear. Thanks again, Kathy, for calling in. And thank you for hanging around to the end of the program. Again, on behalf of myself and the entire Monsters Among Us crew and family, have a safe and terrifying Halloween. Good night.